Happy New Month! Welcome to week 13 of podcasting. Today we have beautiful mist covering the leafless trees. I hope your quitting journey is getting deeper as you and I both realize that there is no end to learning for a heart that wants to grow. Like the mist or is it fog that I see outside? Sometimes your quitting may seem blurry, no end in sight. Your eyes squint because you want to see more. What you long for may seem distant because your misty tears are the fog that keeps you from seeing the horizon of hope. Sometimes your tree of patience may lose its leaves, but how real that we remain rooted in the soil of faith because another season comes and we grow new leaves of testimonies. We touch the realities of what we're waiting for. Today, we have opportunities to focus despite the fog, to tread in the midst of the unseen and to march on step by step upon the path that is lit. Keep looking. So I say to you today, whatever your quitting moment, bloom where you are planted. Go deep. This week, we want to go deep. Welcome to the 13th podcast where mundane meets mastery, coming to you from the northern hemisphere of the beautiful continent of Europe. I am your host, Beryl Aseno Nyamwange. Welcome again, Wednesday. It's the day I choose to talk about quitting. Hey, come to the arena where the little things are the big things, where everyday living is the best life, where every day has something worth highlighting, where boredom is taken to the boardroom of the mind and comes out bearing rich thoughts that build hearts' walls. We speak potential, inspiration, edification. Eat the pie. Taste the sweet and savory in the world of words and growth. Here we are becoming. Proverbs 16, 23 says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Today, our quitting is on deep love. Deep love. Allow me to go back to my childhood for a moment. We used to sing this song, deep and wide, deep and wide, there is a fountain flowing deep and wide, deep and wide, deep and wide, there is a fountain flowing deep and wide. Maybe you remember it. To be honest, I sang it, not because I knew where this fountain was, but because I loved the hand actions that accompanied the song. You know how kids love movement? I also remember visiting my home village in my childhood. I recall the story of a man sinking deep into a water well. Years later, out of curiosity, I asked when I saw someone intentionally go down into a well. I realized that both men did not die. There was a purpose for which they had gone deep into those wells. It was time for repair work to be done. Stronger walls, Clearer waters were needed. Going deep, don't kill. Think of the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. When the master came to ask her for water to drink, what did she say to him? Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. For more of this story, read John chapter 4. So, what is deep? What do we mean by depth? How do we describe something that is deep? There are instances when I or someone else pens down something and you see the comment, that's deep. What do we really mean by deep? 
Deep can mean extending far down from the top or surface, like a deep gorge or valley. It can mean very intense or extreme, as in someone is in deep trouble. The seas and oceans are also deep. We can also go deep into the forest. Quitting as deep love. I was on a mission, a good and wonderful mission. I had been looking forward to this opportunity for a long time. Finally, the moment had come. I was ready to go, ready to move. My husband prayed with me. I bid him goodbye and I felt peace in my heart because even though I was going to this place for the very first time and on a tough mission, I had looked back and seen who had been guiding me. The master of the deep seas was beside me and I was excited. On this particular day, there was no helicopter to help me cross from the sea to the airport. We lived on an island. And as blissful as it may sound, getting to the airport was often a bit of a nightmare. So on this day, there was no way out except to cross the ocean via a speedboat. Why? Because that same week, the helicopter we would have used had crashed into the sea, killing a team of footballers. Its operations were thus banned. Joe drove me to the Oceanside office. We went to check in at the desk and I got my ticket. I was ready for my mission. A mission to save lives, working for a humanitarian organization, helping girls to go to school and avoid early marriages, helping farmers increase their crop produce, working with the government to influence policy, boosting the morale of the staff by training, working with local organizations in partnership to increase awareness regarding issues that affected the communities. Sounds good, right? We are by the ocean side. My ticket is in my hand. I look at the vast expanse of the sea and I see huge boulders and rocks at the edges close to where we stand. A thought flashes through my head. This speedboat is really small. If anything happens, I have a solution. I'm a swimmer. I swam for my country while I was a high school student. I will just leave that small boat and swim to shore. I won't bother with my small suitcase. You know those kinds of self-talk that become lethal even when you least expect it? This was one of those. I looked at those gigantic rocks that were constantly washed by strong waves, huge and full of hope to grasp upon. My little hands were ready to hold on to them should danger threaten my well-being. But no. I could do this. I could swim to the shore. Call it pride and self-importance. My cup was overflowing with foolish ideas. All the humility was gone, dry, empty. But humility would soon beg to return. Bye, honey. See you next week. I bid Joe goodbye after he prayed with me. I boarded the lifeboat. No life jackets were given to any one of us. These guys were raw. They were used to doing this in a careless way, and no one seemed bothered. The engine roared. We were on track. Soon after, we lost sight of the land and the rocks. When I scanned all about me, I saw nothing but our boat and the vast blue oceans and blue skies. Some kind of serenity until a sudden episode of fear glared in the face. And as Providence would have it, this was the opportune moment for a boat to act up. Yes, the engine failed. Failed. 
I just took a deep breath as I reminisced that moment. The swimmer in me, how hopeless, speechless, terrified, now looking up to God for salvation, pride laid low, humility struggling to wake up in the midst of this. The swimmer, you're right, she had no strength left in her. <laughs> what a humbling moment. I watched the other passengers with the very same fear I harbored within me. We were afraid to look at each other's eyes. I was seated closer to the so-called captain. He was dressed in a t-shirt and the weapon for our salvation were his bare hands, pulling on things with a dirty torn wet rope. Suddenly, the glass panel that shielded us from the wind broke, fell down, and guess what? Hit me. Ah, today I die. My feeble fingers were trembling, literally. Was this the beginning of my death? I looked at my phone while our so-called captain did a job that did not seem to produce any results. I looked at my phone. If I call Joe now, what am I supposed to tell him? To pray for me or that I'm dying? What? I put the phone away and thought to call my master. We were still friends, I believed, despite my careless attitude before boarding. He knew the depths of the seas. Did he make them? With my heartbeat racing faster than the helicopter I should have taken if only it was available, I knelt down in my heart, eyes wide open, fingers twitching and sweating, heart racing, gulping with the imagination of an impending drowning. And I said, Lord, save us. Please give me one more chance. Just this once. Please forgive me. Save us. I muttered all the pleas that you can imagine. After a few moments of agony, the engine started, but since the journey was still long, my fears did not subside easily. What if it happens again was my frame of thought. And as you would predict, the engine failed a second time, still in the middle of the deep ocean. I clutched my fate to the true rock at this point, not the rocks that had given me hope and self-confidence before the journey began, but the rock who caused my heart to beat, my blood to flow, my mouth to speak, and my ear to hear. I clutched tightly, my lips moving like Hannah's in prayer. Was I motivated by faith? Was fear my distractor? We will see how this journey ended. Quaiting as deep love. I want to focus on three things I consider deep. After I explain the value of each, we will have some in-depth lessons to learn from each of them. Number one, the word of God. To someone who is hearing this for the first time, the word of God is spoken to us through the Bible. He also speaks through nature. Look through your window and notice some light connected to what the master says about we being the light of the world. Or maybe it's dark where you are. You see stars and the moon. Think of the promise in Daniel 12.3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. His word speaks. Nature speaks. He is the creator of the nature that we see. So when we want to find depth, the first place to go out and hunt for these treasures is in the word of God. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 
This means that like a double-edged sword with no blunt side, God's word, that is the stories, the poems, the psalms, the songs, the correction, the instruction, the admonition, they cut deep. Quitting is deep love. While you wait, delve deep into the word of God. Let it cut through our prejudices and pride. Let it slice our fears to pieces and shape our faith into perfect peace. The word of God, sometimes referred to as unsearchable, is a deep treasure. In other words, a treasure whose depths no one can completely reach, yet the gems found are absolutely full and rich. In your quitting, find the treasures in his principles to live by, in his promises to encourage the soul to love him, in his plans that he says are perfect for you to believe in. In his word, find not only what he promises, but his person, the very him he speaks. He's a communicative God. Dig for deep treasure in his word. While you wait, go digging. Treasures await you. My experience at sea was an eye-opener. The second depth I wish to speak of today are the waters of the sea. Since that scary adventure, we have been blessed to dive in the deep oceans of Thailand, to enjoy rowing boats in the underground river of the Philippines, and the wonderful waters of South Africa, among other places, shark diving. I have learned to go down into those deeps with humility, acknowledging that I am not my own. I realize that I gain more courage when I do that. Oh, you can tell. My fears and the fears of the boat passengers were because of nothing else but the depths of the sea. There we can't walk. And the best of swimmers would not know where to go without direction. Just the vast expanse of waters and the blue skies. What if we drowned? We hear of storms. And we may not need to be in a literal one at sea, but oftentimes we find ourselves in experiential storms. Sickness, hardship with finances, sour relationships, uncertainty, depression, fear of the unknown. These are deep waters, but I tell you something. If we care to look deep, there is more. When we went snorkeling in some of those shores, I saw God in a deeper way. The beauty of the land underwater, the gorgeous rocks, the formations and the corals. Oh, we only swim at the top, but if we go deep, there is more. This can be your experience too in your quitting, going deep into your troubles and asking relevant questions. Why is my sea deep? Is there a coral of lessons waiting for me? Dive in and learn. Quitting not only finds treasure in God's word, but in what God has created. And number three, the wellspring in the heart of a human being. This may come as a surprise, but our hearts can be deep. I will explain. We are deep. Emotions, joy, laughter, perplexity, peace, questions, answers, decisions, uncertainty, plans, purposes, imaginations, ideas, fruitfulness, the list is endless. All these facets are wrapped up in us as humans. In our quitting journey, it is important to take time to reflect on where we are, what stories have we gathered? What lessons have we learned? What things must we cease from doing? Who are we? What makes us human? We can know ourselves better. Why? Because we are God's workmanship. We are created for good works. So, the deep things to consider 
are the word of God. He speaks. The waters of the sea, nature speaks. The wellsprings of our hearts, what are we hearing? What are we speaking? I just want to highlight as I close the importance of these three areas of depth. The word of God is important because in it we seek truth. Why is truth critical? In a world where self goes first and tolerance is the temperature of every day, it is crucial that we have something to stand upon as our foundation. The kind of truth in the word of God is unchanging. It is grounded. It is applicable. It is meant for us, given to us by the God who made us. Therefore, it leads to a life of principle. Seeking truth in the word of God as we wait upon him leads to a life of principle. How about living courageously through our convictions? Remember the waters of the sea. I spoke of the storms and how they can destabilize us and make us lose focus. We can learn to navigate through this. How is the ocean of your heart? It is in the midst of murky waters of troubled seas that we hear the slightest whisper of the wind. And so, the waters of the seas teach us, number two, to sense our trials. And sense here is literal. How do I see my situation as I wait? What am I hearing? What in my situation has touched me with faith? And what of fear? This is literal sensing. What's the aroma of my attitude? What am I envisioning through my journey? We need to be realistic about the challenges we face and to face them objectively. We need to be able to acknowledge that this hurts, that this is taking too long in my view, and that this is not what I expected. This does not equate to lack of faith. It's just how true we are to ourselves. For we do not wish to live with denial, but the acknowledgement of the realities. Why? It helps us with our list of our priorities. How does this add up? When we are going through trial, it is our opportunity to shift our attitude from one of complaint to one of praise. It is our moment to look to the past with gratitude, not to the future with fear. It is our season to enjoy the freshness of new perspectives of thought, to seek clarity. We ask, what lessons can I learn from this experience? Our priorities shift from mere temporal things to more eternal matters. Trials don't expose our difficulties or our mess. They just showcase our design and our makeup. In sensing our trials, we find our list of priorities. And lastly, from the wellspring of our hearts, share your testimony. Yes, you have been through a season, or still are, of seeking the truth, of sensing your trials, and now it's time to share your testimony. This is not about that big thing that happened, but also about that small thing that happened when you least expected it. You can call it a breakthrough, but it can also be peace in the midst of brokenness. Yes, that counts as a miracle. You have experienced the depth of storms and now you're able to soar. Or you're in the middle of one and now you see who holds the oars of your boat so it won't sink. Whichever side of the winds you are on, share your story. The depth of your story may be the push that someone needs to lift them from utter despair to the beholding of new light and the holding of their burden made lighter. In my stormy journey that day, after many sinking heartbeats and a dead engine a second time, we got to the shore. When we arrived, the waters on the shore were heavy 
And so they spread before, beyond us where the boat would normally land. We had to be carried out of the boat by strong men in order for us to walk on land. Deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. In that fountain, there's calmness, not storminess. Sunk deep into a well, sometimes we sink, not so that we die, but so that the walls of our hearts are repaired and the waters of our experiences once again become refreshing to us and others. Depths don't kill. Friend, they grow us. They firm up our foundations. There's a purpose for which your story needs airtime. You're not an island, but a mountain whose paths are visible. Share your testimony. It is your legacy of purpose. Enrich others from your own wellspring. And finally, there's a master of the seas at the shore, ready to carry you. He's waiting to show you your destination. He's waiting, his strong arms to lift you out of the fear of drowning to the joy of being crowned with life forevermore. I tell you, if you let him into your boat, your quaking journey will be worthwhile. In his word, seek truth. You will find that you live a life of principle. Through the waters of your life seas, sense your trials. They will lead you to priorities you never imagined. And lastly, from the wellspring of your heart, share your testimony. It's your legacy of purpose. A mundane life treads on safe, shallow waters. Treads on safe, shallow waters. A life of mastery learns to go deep, deep knowing who owns the oars and pedals the boat. Until next Wednesday. Goodbye.